Bravo Concealment Holsters is a high-quality holster manufacturer based out of Texas. The customer service at Bravo Concealment is unmatched. And when you buy from Bravo Concealment, you get a 30-day money-back guarantee and an unlimited lifetime warranty. Visit bravoconcealment.com and use the code GUNFIGHTER at checkout for 10% off your next holster. Failure to fire. That's our next one. Pretty simple. Our magazine follower was stuck in the magazine at some point and it didn't push those rounds all the way to the top. Or we failed to seat the magazine. Or because of what we're doing and the nature of using cover or whatever we're doing, we inadvertently somehow hit that magazine release and released that magazine, but it didn't fall out, but it's still just not seated properly. Or we have a bad round on the gun. Or we're beginning to have a mechanical failure in the gun where we're going to get light hits on the primer uh, with our hammer. So it's regardless. I'm going to clear that stoppage. That stoppage is going to have a distinct click. It's going to have that normal everyday click. I expected a bang. I got a click. My immediate action to that click, because no other stoppage has that normal click, my immediate action is to slap the bottom of the magazine, forcing it up in the magazine well, rack the charging handle in the rear, let it go home 100% on its own power, and then reassess or get back on the gun whenever's needed. That's our failure to fire. Another one that's common is uh, our stovepipe. Now, the next episode, I'm going to talk about setting up these stoppages, uh, particularly the double feed and the stovepipe, how to set these things up properly, and then how to create them without you knowing that they're coming if you're training with a training buddy. We're going to give some drills and some things that you can do that doesn't, you know, clearing a double feed is, is one thing when you know you have a double feed. It's another thing whenever I am expecting three more bangs because I'm finishing this drill, but then I encounter a double feed without knowing it's going to happen. That's training. That's even better. That's that's lifelike. That's reality. And that's that's one of the things that we're going to talk about how we can create in training in the next episode of Gunfighter Cast. So starting on the, the stovepipe, um, I've got a stovepipe. I've got a, round, a casing, a cartridge, spent casing, sticking out the side of my gun because it didn't get full ejection. Uh, and there's a, a number of reasons that this could happen. Uh, it could be uh, I'm overgassed. It could be I'm using a suppressor, not using a suppressor uh, when I've got my gas settings off. It could be uh, I, am, I don't have ejection port clearance while I'm using cover. My hand's over the ejection port. It could be a number of things why this why the stovepipe occurs. Um, if, it, if it happens, um, I, I've seen so many times, and I've been taught many times, to karate chop. And... I am not a fan of karate chopping sharp, hot things. It doesn't make sense to me at all. And the leverage you need to actually clear a real stovepipe, you're you're going to break your fifth finger metacarpal before you actually get the leverage you need to clear that real stovepipe. Now, I could set you up a fake stovepipe, and that's what we're talking about in the next episode, is I see all these stovepipes set up that are, are not real stovepipes. They're fake stovepipes. They're range stovepipes, and they don't really exist. And I can clear them all day by karate chopping. But you will never, ever see one of these fake range stovepipes in reality because they're not how stovepipes really happen. They're these fictional fairy stovepipes that people make on the range, and you can clear them with a karate chop. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's still not a good idea because it doesn't work in reality. And I'll explain that more later. A, a real stovepipe, the spent casing that's trying to be injected, ejected is, is deep inside of the receiver. There is a round almost chambered. There is a half inch of that round still protruding, and that half inch of that round still protruding is pressing tightly against that cartridge that's trying to be ejected. The bottom, the top of that cartridge is pressing against the upper receiver. The bottom is against that round trying to be chambered. They are forced in there. In most cases, if I rip the magazine out and lock the bolt to the rear, there is still a cartridge stuck there above that round trying to be chambered, 
it's stuck there in place until I'm able to get it free. So this simple lean and rack thing that people do when they set up fake stovepipes or the karate chop thing that people do when they set up fake stovepipes doesn't work with a real stovepipe out there in reality where there is a, a cartridge stuck against a chambering cartridge uh, or a spent casing chamber stuck against a, a chambering cartridge. Uh, it's totally different than what, what's being set up in most cases out there on the range. And we'll talk about setting that up a little bit later on in the next episode. So what I'm going to do for clearing a stovepipe is I'm going to, one, I fill my mushy trigger. Or I possibly might have that awkward click that we talked about because the bolt's forward enough to get that hammer to strike the bottom of the bolt carrier. That's my first line of observation. And then I see, all right, I've got a stovepipe right here. I need to clear this. So I can rip my magazine out, and you can rack that charging handle all day long, and you're not going to clear your stovepipe. You're not going to clear a real stovepipe by ripping and racking. You're going to clear a stovepipe by ripping the magazine out, locking the bolt to the rear to get pressure off of those so you have room for those rounds to move. And then you're going to use a very, very technical term that I use. You're going to jiggle. right? So I, I make my index finger like a square uh, by bringing my, my, the tip of my index finger against the pad of my index finger knuckle area. I make a square out of that, and I use my thumb. And I place that super hot piece of brass, whether I'm using gloves or not, between that without actually contacting them, and move that forward and backwards. Usually one time forward and one time backwards, it's free and it's falling out the magazine well. It's falling out the magazine well if my magazine is angled down toward the ground. My magazine well is angled down toward the ground to allow gravity to help me clear stoppage. Anytime we're clearing stoppage, it involves rounds falling out. We always want the magazine well angled toward the ground uh, to help us uh, clear that stoppage. And if you do break it free, you're still going to have to angle it to the ground afterwards if it's not already to get those rounds to fall out of the magwell. So if we do it at the very beginning, already have the gun set up, we can save some time so that when those rounds break free, they fall free through the magazine well. And then we're able to reload the gun. So I jiggle that round until it comes free, and it's usually very, very quick, and it falls right out. Um, I have a round that's halfway in the chamber. Now, if I know my gun, and I know everything's golden, my bolt's to the rear, I could potentially send my bolt forward, put a magazine in, and fire that round. That is possible if I know my gun. If I don't know my gun and I don't know exactly what's going on right now, then I may need to get that bolt forward and rack that charging handle until I see ejection and then reload the gun. So I, I leave that up to the student. It depends on who knows their gun, who doesn't know their gun. Um, you're taking a little bit of a gamble because that round that's halfway in the chamber is not engaged on the extractor. It's not, it's not locked in place there. It's not in there. It may or may not get chambered properly. Uh, hopefully, you, you get 100% power of that spring tension when that bolt goes forward and locks on it. Uh, chances are, if that round doesn't fall free and you hit your bolt release, it's going to chamber and fire. Um, but you need to know your gun to be sure of that. And it, it's your choice on what you do there. Um, or you can take the extra time and eject that round and then reload the gun properly and get going. Totally up to you. I, I totally leave that to the student um, that knows what they're doing. So that's clear to stovepipe. Pretty pretty simple. The the next one we have is a uh, a double feed. So if I run into a double feed, and I I lump them both in the same category: the double feed and the failure to extract. So the failure to extract is I have a spent casing in the chamber 
the mechanical device that was holding onto it, the extractor, was not able to pull that out of the chamber. The gun was fired while the extractor was holding on to the cartridge, but it couldn't pull it out of the chamber. Now, I say that twice because I want you to understand the way people set up this stoppage on the range and they practice it. The way people often do it where they just drop a live round in the chamber and then ride another round in behind it, that stoppage can be cleared by removing the magazine and dumping the round out of the chamber using gravity. Now, if your extractor that ripped the end of the cartridge off, I've seen that happen, ripping the rim of the cartridge off, uh, if, if your extractor couldn't pull it out of the chamber, do you really think gravity is going to let that failure to extract, is going to dump it right out of the chamber? Not going to happen in the real world. It'll happen on the range when you set up a fake failure to extract. It's not a real failure to extract. It is a range failure to extract. Uh, it is not authentic. It is not uh, a, a stoppage that is required to clear. Uh, I, I could rip my magazine out and send my bolt forward on that round in the chamber, and it would fire. But in reality, would that round in the chamber be a live round? No. It's a spent cartridge that couldn't be removed from the chamber with the extractor. Gravity's not going to clear it, and it's not going to go bang when you send the bolt in behind it. So if we don't understand, we can use that technique to set up the stoppage. I have no problem with doing that, but the shooter needs to understand that using that technique, the stoppage can be cleared in a way that would not work with a real failure to extract. I hope that makes sense. The double feed. I've got two rounds trying to go on at the same time. A corrective action for that failure to extract or the double feed can be used the same way for that. I experience a mushy trigger. I see that I have a double feed or a failure to extract. Step one is I'm going to rip that magazine back. I'm going to rip that magazine out. I'm going to get that magazine out of the gun. I'm going to get it out of the way so I don't cause any more problems. I don't cause anything else. And the magazine needs to be gone for me to clear the stoppage. And then the next step is I'm going to lock the bolt to the rear. I'm going to lock that bolt to the rear, and I'm going to rip that bolt back as hard as I can to lock the bolt to the rear. The reason I'm going to lock that bolt to the rear very, very intensely, if you will, is because by doing that, if I gingerly lock, gingerly lock the bolt to the rear, uh, sometimes my rounds remain stuck in the chamber. But if I vigorously lock the bolt to the rear, that movement, that sharp action of the gun will often unlodge those two rounds that are stuck together and allow them to fall out of that magazine well. Now, if I observe that happening and I understand that my chamber's clear and those rounds have fell free, my next step is reload the gun, go bang. Now, if I see that, observe that my two rounds are still stuck in the chamber, which happens a lot with a double feed. And in the next episode, I'm going to tell you how to set this double feed up in a way that they get stuck almost all the time. Uh, and you're going to realize that ripping and racking will clear it a small percentage of the time, but ripping and racking is, is ripping the magazine out and racking the charging handle is not going to clear it all the time. It's actually the technique that I use to make the stoppage worse. Um, so sometimes it is going to make it worse. And it's going to just going to rack all day long and nothing's going to happen. Sometimes you're going to rack and it's going to clear it the first time you rack it. So it depends. Um, and it doesn't depend on the gun. It depends on the stoppage itself. Um, so I'm going to rip that magazine out. I'm going to lock the bolt to the rear very, very hard. Uh, try to make it a little sharp when it gets back to the rear. And that way it maybe knocks those rounds free. If they fall free, reload the gun, get busy. If they don't fall free, that's when we're doing the thing you hear people talk about, the prom date. Uh, I personally like my bottom three fingers, my middle finger, index fi or middle finger, ring finger, and pinky finger going in the magazine well. I'm pushing on these rounds toward the back of the rounds. Remember, the front of these projectiles are pressing together in the chamber, and that's where all your friction and your tightness is against that and the locking lugs in your chamber. So if I press on the back of this round and bring those together, 
I will release that pressure and those rounds will fall out and follow my fingers down the magazine well as I remove my fingers from the magazine well. Uh, again, keeping my magazine well angled toward the ground so they'll fall straight out as soon as that thing's cleared to not lose any time. My next step, if my chamber's got a round in it or I don't know, I need to rack until I see ejection or three times if I'm not sure. If I know my chamber's empty, there's absolutely no need to rack that gun. If I know my chamber's empty and both of those rounds fell out and we're good, it's time to reload the rifle. You know, I, I don't care what hands you use. I don't care what, what it is. Um, I often clear double feeds in a way where I lock the bolt to the I rip the magazine out. I lock the bolt to the rear or, or vice versa. I, I don't even... I'll back up a little bit. It, it's it's even it's okay to lock the bolt to the rear first. That's not a problem either. It it, it depends. Uh, that's where I get back to. You got to know your gun, and and, and know what you're doing. Um, if I had a LWRC individual carbine with a right hand bolt catch, if I was using a Radian weapons with the ADAC system where it has a right hand bolt catch or a bad lever, my step one would always be rip rack hard. And if the rounds fall free, reload the gun. If they don't fall free, I'm engaging my bolt lock system and I'm fingering the gun till they fall free and then racking if I need to or reloading the gun. So it, it's really, it's gun dependent and you need to know your system. You need to know your gun. You need to know your capabilities. I'm a big fan of right hand bolt catches and bolt releases. Um, they are huge problem solvers when it comes to stoppage clearances with rifles. Uh, great, great things to have. So I'm going to lock, rip, and if I need to finger, I'm going to finger. If I don't need to finger, I'm not going to finger it. Uh, if I need to rack it, I'm going to rack it. If I don't need to rack it, I'm not going to rack it. If it's time to reload, I'm just going to reload. It doesn't matter. What I encounter often is double feed, lock bolt to the rear, rip the magazine out, rounds fall free. As soon as the rounds fall free, then I put my magazine right back in the magazine well, hit the bolt release, and I'm back on the gun. It's not textbook. It's not orthodox. It's not written in any manual anywhere, but it works when I observe those actions happening in that sequence that I just explained. So uh, you got to know your gun at the end of the whole story and, and know what it takes to keep it running, know what it takes to get it back running, know what steps you can skip, what steps you can't skip, and, uh, and put some practice, some work into clearing these stoppages so we're efficient at them uh, when we encounter these stoppages. Uh, we're going to take a little quick break and come back and talk about that bolt override. Be right back. If you're in the market for the absolute best 1911 handguns and accessories, look no further than Nighthawk Custom. Nighthawk has over 36 flavors of top quality custom 1911s and they definitely have one for you. These are custom handmade 1911s. Each gun is made from start to finish by a single gunsmith. Nighthawk's slogan and philosophy is, one gun, one gunsmith. Now, owning the world's finest 1911 has never been easier. Go to www.nighthawkcustom.com and finance your Nighthawk Custom 1911 today. All right, welcome back. Uh, last one we're going to cover is the infamous brass above bolt. And you may go your entire shooting career and never see these. Um, I see them. I see them really. How, many, how often do you see them nowadays, Andy? I, I, might see, I might see two of these a year. Uh, I see them periodically. Uh, I, I just had one my last class. Really? Yeah. yeah uh, I, I see them sometimes when I'm causing stoppages for students, but I, I don't see them happen naturally very, very often. Now, back in the uh, when I was in the Marine Corps and we were using M16A4s and M16A2s and the old GI magazines and some of those things, I used to see them on a regular basis, like very, very often see a brass above bolt. It, it was very common. I, our magazines have gotten so much better. 
there's some really good machining going on out there that that I'm not seeing it happen as much, whether it's the magazine or the gun or a combination. But I, I don't see the brass of a bolt near as often as I, as I used to with, with subpar equipment, I guess you could say. Guns that have been shot all the crap forever. And um, so it, it's not as common. But the reason I talk about it in, in my classes and the reason I'm talking about it here is if you don't understand how to clear the stoppage, your big gun is down hard. It's down forever. Like it, It's done. You're not going to use it again in that fight. But it's so easy to clear. It is not complicated. But if you're just trying to rack that charging handle, it's it's almost impossible to make it happen. So uh, when I'm talking about the brass belt bolt, I'll explain what it looks like and what it is uh, a little bit earlier. Brass and the, the whole, there's a, a live round above the bolt and the bolt carrier uh, angled down toward the chamber caught between the, the charging handle and the bolt carrier that doesn't allow me to pull that charging handle back to the rear very much. It's incredibly tight. So I want you to think about the way this gun works. I've got a charging handle that if forward is locked in a forward position. My bolt is able to reciprocate back and forth like it does whenever we press the trigger and recoil happens and it goes through the cycle of operation. So my bolt moves independent of the charging handle. If I have a brass above bolt, one of the methods, my step one for whenever I see a brass above bolt is make the bolt move to the rear independent of the charging handle. Leave the charging handle locked in the forward position, remove the magazine, stick your longest finger you got up in the magazine well, put it on the front of the bolt face, use another finger if you need to on the side of the bolt carrier or the bolt, whatever you can, use your Leatherman mutt, whatever you can, use a cleaning rod, whatever you have available, put it in front of that bolt and pull that bolt back to the rear while that charging handle is still in the forward lock position. And all you're doing is creating space for that cartridge to fall out of the magazine well. It's gonna fall down forward and go out of the magazine well. And then you might have to dump it a little bit and then release it and reload the gun and you're ready to go again. Now, I've been in classes before or, or, or taught class before where people are like, man, this one's really tight. I can't make that work. So I give them a step two. Um, and I'll talk about that here in a second. But many times I go by and I grab this gun and I stick my finger in there and I pull it right back and I dump that round right out because they're just not applying enough pressure, applying enough strength to it to get that thing back to the rear. And I've had big muscle gym guys like, dude, you must have the strongest hands ever. I'm like, I, I, I don't like the gym. That stuff's heavy in there. It's no fun. I don't I don't get that whole picking it up and putting it down stuff. It's not really my thing. Um, I've gotten through a lot of problems in my life by having a lot of grip strength and having strong legs. Uh, those are, are uh, the, my two most important <laughs> physical fitness things that I work on the most all the time. Um, there may be a joke in there somewhere too. <laughs> but um, having having good good hand strength, man, it's gonna it's gonna help you with that a lot. If that doesn't work, if I cannot push that bolt back using those fingers and I can't create that space to dump that round out then I need to put my buttstock forward maybe maybe you do maybe you don't I may need to inertia rack the gun and when I say inertia rack I'm, people call it mortaring but really what I'm doing is I'm holding on to the charging handle and I'm jerking the gun down toward the ground making the flat part of the stock encounter the ground evenly hopefully so I don't break my stock with my stock forward so I don't break my buffer tube or receiver extension whatever you want to call it and I want that charging handle to continue moving backwards. I want to get that charging handle back as far as I can. Sometimes I can take that gun and use two hands with the, with the buttstock against my chest and get that charging handle back far enough without having to do that mortaring or inertia rack of the gun. I've seen people beat the crap out of their rifles without holding on to the charging handle, just mortaring and mortaring and mortaring the rifle, and it doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it'll get lucky and clear the stoppage, but that's not really the way you clear the stoppage. We want to do this efficiently and quickly. 
what I need to do is get my charging handle back an inch, an inch and a half, maybe two inches. The further, the better. It, 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 the better, the further back I can get, the better. Um, if I can get to the, get it all the way back to where the bolt will lock to the rear, just lock the bolt to the rear and then put your charging handle forward and dump the round out. It'll work every time. If I, I can only get it back an inch and a half, two inches, once I get it there, I make my hand flat and I slap it with my knuckle of my index finger against the middle of the charging handle and slam that charging handle forward as hard as you can. And it usually gets it in the first shot, knocks that round straight out of there and often chambers it. Not that I want to shoot it or not because it may be dented up, who knows. If not, get that charging handle back again, slam it forward again. Or push your charging handle all the way back forward and go back to step one again and try to move the bolt carrier and bolt independent of the charging handle with the charging handle in the forward lock position and create space to dump that round out. So I... I like I said earlier, I've, I've got a video coming out explaining these things, how to set these things up, and how to clear them. So hopefully that makes a lot more sense to you in the future if that visual mental picture that I tried to provide there doesn't quite add up uh, to what I'm talking about. Uh, you'll see it again in the future at uh, my YouTube channel. The link to that will be in the show notes. And I uh, hope you guys over there and check it out. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe too. I really appreciate that. You know, in, in this episode... You know, a lot of stuff we talked about. I, I, I'm listening to myself talking about things that I talk about all the time. I, I teach it almost weekly. Uh, I have conversations about these things almost on a daily basis. So as I'm talking about it, I completely picture everything that I'm saying. I don't know if you do. So I hope you understand what I'm trying to explain. I hope this makes some sense for some of you out there and some of you it doesn't make sense for. I hope the, uh, the video supports it and it helps make more sense. If there's something I can do to help clarify anything I've talked about, uh, if I've confused you more and you're worse with your gun now after listening to this episode, um, feel free to, to let me give you a hand and hopefully I can help you out. DanielShaw0369 at gmail.com, uh, Instagram, Facebook, DanielShaw0369, and I'll be happy to, uh, to have a conversation with you and hopefully clear this up and uh, maybe even you know take some pictures and, and video and, and explain it in more detail so you really get uh, what I'm talking about here if the video that's coming out doesn't really explain it properly. Thanks for listening. I'm Daniel Shaw, Gunfighter Cast, out.